buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning, my friends. Hello. Brr. Holy cow. 35 degrees outside the old radio ranch here uh, in the Matsu. Oh, 35 it's it's still September. What the heck, man? Seriously. Oof, man, I'm just I'm not ready for this. Not ready at all. Um I guess I got to I guess all that honeydew stuff I've been putting off for winter. I guess this weekend is um <laughs> I guess we got to get it done. Guess we got to get it done this weekend. Uh anyway, it's chilly, it's cold. It's uh winter is uh right around the corner knocking on the door pretty hard. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. <clears throat> we got a lot of stuff to talk about here uh today. It is the Tuesday, which means it is the weekly top 3. Uh Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets is waiting in the wings. Ready to go to it with our uh, with our big three topics today. Now, Chris Story is traveling, so he will not be joining us. So you're going to have to suffer your bruises, contusions, and lacerations from Brad without any salve. Uh, it's not coming in hour two. I'll do my best. I might give you a little bit of good news or something in the second hour. We might talk about something frivolous like movies or something to try and bolster your spirit because, oh, man. Anyway, Chris is going to be with us tomorrow. Uh, along with uh, Mike Shower, and then on Thursday it's going to be Nick Begich the third will be joining us. Still working on Jacob Sellum from Reason Magazine for Friday, and of course Chris Chang. It's a busy week, but first it's Tuesday. Let's just let's not let's just not rat, beat around the frozen bush, shall we? Let's go over and uh, jump into this with uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets and do this thing, this weekly top three thing. And uh, here he is, Brad Keithley uh, himself. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. The, the question is, you're complaining about the cold, but is it raining? It's not raining. It's not snowing. <laughs> no, it's not raining. It's not snowing. It's mostly clear and it's cold. But, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. We're, I guess we're going to have to deal with it. But, oof, man, I got to tell you, what a what a rude awakening this morning. So that, you, you take you, you take your victories where you can get them, though. Yes. I mean, I will take that as a pl- I mean, hey, great. It's not snowing. That's, you know, at least I used to say that when it was raining like that. I was like, oh, at least it's not snowing. But now if it rained right now, it would be snow. I mean, it's just like or sleet or something. 
Any, you know, if I don't have something to complain about, Brad, my day is just not complete. So there you go. So. And the and the show and, and the show's sort of not there. I, I mean, know, really. Got it. It's got to be. It's all. It's a two hours of complaining every day. That's what we do. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this, Brad. We got uh, got a lot of interesting topics today, and we're going to start off with a couple of them here. The first two, especially. Oh, I have some things to say. I have some things to say about the first couple ones, but uh, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into this first, and we're gonna talk about this issue of fairness. Uh, I mean, there seems to be the uh, ADN editorial board seems to be fixated on this whole idea of fairness and how it may be legal, but is it really fair? And oh, but we want it, but we don't. And uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Start off with uh, number one here on the weekly top three. Well, the ADN had a has an op-ed written by the editorial board, the Binkley Family Blog, uh, this uh, this past weekend. Uh, and it focuses on the the Mancho issue, the roads issue, uh, up in Fairbanks, the issue that revolves around having all of these uh, uh, mineral trucks or mine trucks uh, on the roads up in Fairbanks. It focuses in on the construction that's being done to some of the bridges to bolster them to accommodate uh, the trucks and asks the question, uh, should Kinross, the mine that's going to be using uh, those roads uh, for their trucks, should Kinross be contributing to the costs uh, of, uh, of those fixes in a way that uh, is similar to, at least in the, in the ADN's mind, is similar to uh, what goes on with Red Dog Mine out in the West, where Red Dog pays a fee to pay for, pay off the costs of a road uh, that was built by ADA uh, to accommodate the mine. And the argument that the ADN's making is uh, is that this is similar, this is a similar situation. The state is bolstering roads specifically to deal with these trucks um, and uh, and Ken Ross should be contributing to the cost. Uh, but there's there's a sentence, I, I don't mean to get into that issue. That issue has its whole, its whole, its, its own nest uh, that, uh, that, that, that builds around it. But there's a, there's a paragraph in the middle, two sentences actually, in the middle of this, piece that just whacked me in the face. Here it is. Ken Ross and Contango, the other owner, have been scrupulous in making sure their operation is legal. The problem Alaska faces and the reason why so many interior residents are upset is that there's a gap between what's legal, which they admit Ken Ross and Contango are doing, there's a gap between what's legal and what's fair. In such matters, it's the responsibility of the state to work on behalf of its people to make sure their interests and rights are protected. <laughs> and that sentence just, you know, just leapt out of the page and, and whacked me in the face. It's There's a gap between what's legal and what's fair. Well, it's legal, says the Supreme Court, to take a portion of the PFD, to tax a portion of the PFD. But is that fair? I mean, it, it taxes middle and lower income Alaska families hugely more heavily than it taxes uh, the, the top 20 percent. It's the most regressive tax ever, according to uh, ICER's uh, professor, Matt Berman. It has the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy, according to a 2016 study by ICER that has that has a baseline that continues to this day. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago. Few weeks ago on uh, on our landmine column and the and the numbers are still still support uh, still still support that conclusion 
So it's it's legal for the legislature to ignore the statute and to and to take a portion of the PFD to tax a portion uh, of the PFD to pay for state government. But but is it fair? Is it in the best interests of Alaska families? It is. Is it in the best interest of the Alaska economy? And and in the case of Kinross, the ADN says in such matters, it's the responsibility, the responsibility of the state to work on behalf of its people to make sure their interests and rights are protected. This is from the ADN. That's a standard that the, that the, that the Binkley family blog uh, proposes. So I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it, ADN. I don't get <laughs> how you decide that. I, I haven't looked into it. You know, maybe the Binkley family has some land along the road that's getting impacted by this. But I, I don't get how you how you get concerned about the gap between what's legal and what's fair when you're talking about contribution toward the cost of roads and and you're not concerned about it. In fact, you want to stick by the law. The law says that the legislature can tax a portion of the PFD. You want to stick by the law when uh, uh, when it involves uh, something that would adverse, when fairness would, in, would adversely impact your ADN, Binkley family, your pecuniary, your financial interests. Um, and I think it's just, I think it's just, you know, a glaring, a glaring uh, uh, two standards going on here. Uh, one for when, uh, when the when the Binkley family is concerned about something, and another, oh, it's legal. This legislature is doing what it, you know. Right. The, the Supreme Court said the legislature can take it. It's legal. And another standard when uh, when it affects something that. Uh, <laughs> That that, uh, that that they don't gain they don't gain from right well I mean I love the fact again that last sentence where in such matters it's the responsibility of the state to work on behalf of its people to make sure their interests and rights are protected what about their interests and rights in the PFD I mean that I mean they, it was very explicit when it was created that that is Alaskans share of the oil wealth as resource owners where is the state looking out for the interests uh, of the people there. I mean, where are they making sure that their rights are protected there? They're not. It is such, uh, I mean, it is a boatload of hypocrisy from the, because this is the same ADN board, by the way, that said, oh yeah, take the PFD because we need that for state services. And, you know, just, it, it, it is what it is. There is such a tremendous amount of, I mean, I don't even know how they can, they're, they're contorting themselves in such loops. I don't even know how they can, you know, uh, walk and chew gum at the same time at this point. Well, I don't think I don't think they think of it in the same way. I, I don't think I think they think, you know, well, it's in our interest, the Binkley family's interest to go ahead and cut the PFD, because that way we don't as a top 20 percent, top 5 percent, top 1 percent family in the state. We don't have to pay taxes. But, you know, we, we have a lot of interest up in Fairbanks and we don't think it's fair, you know, for Kinross to get off the to get off the hook up in the, for contributing their fair share, their fair share, Kinross's fair share toward the cost of, uh, of construction. Uh, up in Fairbanks. Here's the other thing about it, Michael. There's no statute. There's nothing on the books that says, and and the and the editorial admits it. There's nothing anywhere on the books that says Ken Ross ought to ought to contribute, as long as you as long as you abide by the state highway laws, which Ken Ross is doing, um, and, and and they admit that Ken Ross is doing as long as you abide by the existing state highway laws, you don't have to pay for it. Nothing in the statutes, nothing in the regulations uh, indicate otherwise. With the PFD, there's a statute 
that the legislature has never gotten 21 plus 11 plus one, has never gotten enough support to change uh, in the legislature. So right. we have a statute on the books that's being ignored. We have policy on the books that's being ignored in the case of the PFD. If you want to talk about fairness, what's the standard of fairness? It ought to be at least the the legislation that's on the books. Yeah. And uh, and for and for the ADN to you know go out of its way, it's just it's just such a hypocritical sentence in such matters. And maybe maybe that's uh, maybe I should be reading that in matters where it affects the Binkley family. It is the responsibility of the state to work on behalf of its pe- of the Binkley family to make sure their interests and rights are protected. Maybe that's the way I ought to be reading it. But it's it's a hypocritical uh, uh, statement in light of the positions they've taken. Well, on. yeah, especially. And I love how they downplay, uh, and I know you don't want to get necessarily into the Mancho issue too much, but I love how they downplay the fact that the oil, that the, uh, that the company has said very clearly uh, that they're paying through the, uh, through the gas tax, right? I mean, that, that's what they're saying. They're funding the highway maintenance through the state's fuel tax. And, and the uh, blog just basically poo-poos that a little bit. But you, they neglect the fact that each one of these trucks is traveling 240 miles. And I guarantee you these things are not getting 50 miles to the gallon. You know what I mean? They are burning through some fuel. They're going to be paying multiples of what a normal truck or a normal car would pay on those same roads. So I, I just, again, the kind of the whole you know, glancing or, or glazing over what they don't really want to talk about and saying this is an issue of fairness is just, again, so hypocritical of these folks down there who just uh, seem to keep pushing in the same direction. Yeah, it's, um, I, you know, in the case of the trucks, the the, the Ken Ross argument is, yes, we're paying state sales tax. Well, uh, in, in, in the case of fuel tax, in the case of in the case of the PFD, the top twenty percent say, "Well, we're paying. You know, we're paying a portion of that. We're 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 having 0.1 percent in the case of Natasha Senator von Imhoff. We're having 0.1 percent of our of our uh, 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 income taken away. In the case of the middle and lower income Alaska families, it's five to you know twenty percent, twenty seven percent being taken away, but." You know, we're we're we're, we're contributing yeah. too because point one percent of our income's been taken. Hey, remember, it's just it's a double standard. Hey, remember, some animals are more equal than other animals. Just re- remember <laughs> that as we go through. All right, Brad, quick tease for number two here as we get ready to go. Number two is another ADN op-ed, an op-ed in the ADN, not by the editorial board. This is signed off by Senator Kathy Geisel, um, and, uh, and and uh, it. It's the same damn thing. It's the same double standard. The same hypocrisy uh, is coming through. And I want to make sure we focus on that as, uh, as as we read it. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems like hypocrisy is the theme of the day today. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Brad Keithley is our guest. The Weekly Top 3 continues right after this. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, In the break, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, You're obviously traveling. Just uh, <laughs> you, you. Uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm in Seattle. I'm in Seattle uh, on my way back to Alaska. Um, 
And, and one of the things I've learned uh, during travel is to look for the pictures of the office area in um, uh, when you're when you're looking at a hotel, look for the pictures of the office area and look in particular for the lighting and for the angles in the room. Um, if you're going to be doing a podcast, you want to make sure yeah. you want to make sure that you got good lighting. Yeah, no, and you want to make sure that you got a good angle that you don't have to see my unmade bed behind yeah. you to see the couch. Oh, or- uh, yeah, exactly. It's got to be looking looking pretty nice. I got to tell you, you could bring your own too. I got these. Uh, I got these little lights like this that are uh, oh. that you need to you know. That's uh, that's the handy dandy. I travel with these when I'm uh, when I'm doing the show. Uh, throw them in the box. They're a little tiny thing. I got one little Pelican case. It's got all my broadcast gear in it that I carry with me. A little, uh, little tiny suitcase, briefcase size. Well, it's duck, a double briefcase size. So, anyway, you get good at it, Brad. I'm just what I'm saying. You just get good at it. It'll be fine. It'll be great. <laughs> well, you make enough mistakes along the way. Yeah, uh, and um, and and you finally figure you, you you broadcast from enough enough dark corners. Someplace. Yeah, exactly. You finally. Um, the, just the hypocrisy of this, Brad, just cracks me up. Um, the, 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 you know, this Mancho issue and, and we should really probably do a deep dive show just on Mancho to, to talk about it, but whoa. Yeah, you're me. It's not, it must be you. It's not me. Hang on a second. I, I'll mute Brad for just a second here to see if all of a sudden he's got, uh, 80s sounds like an 80s movie soundtrack sorry i'm sorry i got it it was like an 80s movie soundtrack that going oh yeah you know um it was an ad yeah ad that popped up on the adn that's what i get for having ADN yeah editorials on my, on my it's screen. the binkley's are tra- they targeted you specifically for that it was good um <laughs> but yeah this whole band show thing i mean i've never seen people lose their minds more over something like this um, whereas I'm, you know, I guess I'm kind of, a, I don't live there anymore, but even if I did, I can't see myself being so bent out of shape about it because it's economic development and it's, you know, jobs and it's money for the, uh, for the interior and everything else. And I just, <clears throat> I think people are almost, you know, the idea that they can be outraged is almost a sport these days. Right. I mean, it just seems like everybody's got to be outraged about something. And this just seems, I mean, they said this in the article a couple times, that that uh, Ken Ross and Mancho have gone out of their way to make sure that this is legal in every aspect that they can when they put this plan together. And I, I don't know. I, I, just find it, I just find it interesting that people are so outraged by it. Well, it, it, they are out. They, they appear to be outraged about it. The ADN, the Binkley family, appears to be outraged about it for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and so it's the resort to, it's not in the law. <laughs> I mean, the PFD is in the law. Let's, 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 let's face facts. The PFD is still in statute. They can't get it changed. But their argument is, I, I know it's not in the law, but fairness, fairness. We need to, you need to bend over backwards uh, to, uh, to accommodate fairness. So it's, uh, <laughs> I guess fairness is whatever, whatever the, the three people on the ADN board op-ed board think it is willie in the chat room just said fairbanks borough makes a ton off of mining taxes fairbanks borough makes no money off mining taxes the only money that they would make would be off of any property tax uh or anything like that they make no there is no in fact if you want to talk about a disparity we should talk about mineral taxes uh in this state the net profit three percent net profit tax on minerals in this state non-renewable 
resource. I mean, I, that's something that's been a bone of contention for me for years, but all we ever get stuck on is, is oil. We never talk about other mineral taxes. 3% net tax on minerals. And that net tax, oof, you got some sharp penciled accountants. I never made a profit. I don't <laughs> understand. How does that work? Um, all right. Uh, here we go, Brad. We're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Number two of the weekly top three. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get this thing going on. Uh, here we go. Oops, I got to push this button. Here we go. Let's make it happen. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> Pinch of in Sorry, that is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. That's not funny, man. It's not funny at all. All right, here we go. Uh, back with the weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. He comes on board every week to give us the good news, bad news, to discuss the news. I don't know. I always, I always feel wrung out after I've talked to Brad because it's always, I mean, it's good issues. Don't get me wrong, but oh, sometimes it's so frustrating. Today, the topic, the theme seems to be hypocrisy. We were just talking about the ADN uh, editorial board, but now we're moving over to another editorial in the ADN. This one from Kathy Giesel, um, Kathy Giesel, um, who uh, just deigns to tell us how she's looking out for the little guy. Uh, While at the same time, oh, man, it's just it's so frustrating. Brad, go ahead. So the the article is or the opinion is it's time to fix food aid for Alaskans in need. And it's authored by Senator Kathy Giesel and Representative Genevieve uh, Mina. And the argument basically is, and again, I don't mean to get this isn't to get into the substance of this argument at this point. Maybe at another point we, we get into the we get into the substance. But. The argument basically is that there are issues with SNAP, with the federal SNAP program, the aid to aid to uh, uh, those in poverty or 130 percent of poverty. In the case, right. Of what used to be called food uh, stamps. This is what used to be called food stamps. Right. Now it's called the SNAP program. Right. There are problems with SNAP. Now SNAP is federally funded. Before before you know we get we get diverted off on oh this is a horrible use of state funds. It's not state funds. It's it's federal funds, but it's administered by the state. Um, and the issue is whether there needs to be uh, some changes uh, to the way in which the state administers it. Other states administer it differently. Giesel and Mina are arguing that uh, that there's a better way to administer it in Alaska. And again, I don't want to. I don't mean to get in the middle of that of that argument right now. But here's 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 the here's it's like it's like the ADS, it's like the Binkley family blog, right? There's a sentence in here that just slaps you in the face. And here here it is. Here's the two sentences. The state shouldn't punish working Alaskans for becoming more economically independent. Our goal is to address SNAP, the SNAP benefits cliff, cliff and ultimately get Alaskans the tools to get out of poverty and reduce reliance on the program. Our goal is to ultimately get Alaska to give Alaskans the tools to get out of poverty. That's what that's what this entire argument turns on. Okay, we want to get Alaskans out of poverty. Now let's go back to an op-ed by Professor Matt Berman from ICER uh, in the ADN uh, a few months ago. Here's, here's his two sentences. Let's be honest, a cut in the PFD is a tax, the most regressive tax ever proposed. 
a $1,000 cut. And keep in mind, the average cut over the last seven years since PFP cut started has been $1,700 or $1,500 per Alaska resident, uh, 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 $6,000 per year, $6,000 per year to an Alaska family of four. But as Berman says, a $1,000 cut will push thousands of Alaska families below the poverty line. It will increase homelessness and food insecurity. That's Matt Berman, professor, ICER, knows what he's talking about. Been here since 1981. Yale, Harvard-trained uh, economist. And so you, you focus on that for a second. All right, a $1,000 cut in the PFD will push thousands of families below the poverty line. It will increase homelessness and food insecurity. Now let's go back to, to, to Senator Giesel, Representative Mina's uh, article. Our goal is to ultimately get Alaskans the tools to get out of poverty and reduce reliance on the SNAP, the food security uh, program. So, okay. Great. They 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 focus on getting Alaskans out of poverty and reduce reliance on or reduce food insecurity. But these are two people, Senator Giesel in the Senate, who was a leader in the effort to cut the cut the PFD, and Representative Mina, who is part of the Alaska House Coalition uh, in the House, voted unanimously. The Alaska House Coalition voted unanimously to cut the PFD. So explain this to me. On the one hand, you're saying that you that we have to focus on doing things to get Alaskans, give Alaskans the tools to get out of poverty and reduce food insecurity. We've got a program, an existing program that does that and treats Alaskans across the board fairly um, and gives them a share of the state's wealth to use uh, uh, as they as they deem fit and and cuts in that will push thousands of Alaskans below the poverty line, increase homelessness and food insecurity. The very thing that you, Senator Diesel and Representative Mina, say that you want to avoid, you're voting for the very thing that does that. So, so we got this, we got this weird cycle going on. We cut the PFD, we push thousands of Alaskans into poverty, we increase food insecurity, and then, oh my God, we got Alaskans in poverty and we got and we got food insecurity. Now we now we have to redirect this federal program to make sure we get them out of poverty. Well, and it, to make sure they have they have food security. It, hypocrisy, hypocrisy yeah. is not it's not enough of a word to 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 label what the hell's going on here. Well, and they're talking about this thing called BBCE broad based category eligibility, where because it's even worse than what you're saying. What they're basically arguing for is to increase. The increase the requirements, increase the 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 brackets around this, so that more people can be part of the SNAP pro. We want to increase instead of 130 percent of poverty. We want it to be more. We want it to be based on the needs and all. That. And so basically, they're saying, please, we voted for this. We put this in. We 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 proposed this bill last year, which would have increased the roles of SNAP, and we should be patted on the back for that because we're trying to get Alaskans out of poverty by putting more people on food stamps. I mean, that's basically the argument of this article. And at the same time, the very same legislature, the same votes because they're both come, they're both in the budget, right? They're both coming as part of as part of the budget votes. In the very same vote, they're pushing thousands of Alaskans thousands of Alaska families into poverty. They're pushing 
thousands of Alaskans into food insecurity and then saying, oh, we need this government program to get this, to get them out of it. I, it. Just stop. Just stop. Stop legislating. Stop. Stop thinking you, you stop creating the problems that you then think you need to that you then think you need to address. Just follow the damn statute. Yeah. And and that and and, and according to Matt Berman, that will ink that will get Alaska families out of poverty and it will get uh, it will decrease uh, homelessness and food insecurity. Yeah, follow the damn law. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I'm 100%. And if you want a snapshot into what these folks are thinking and the mindset of folks like Kathy Giesel and Genevieve Mima, uh, Mina, there is a line in here that just pretty much lines it all up in the middle of this. It says, SNAP doesn't just support people, but acts as a major economic generator, particularly for local businesses in the rural area. The U.S. Department of Ag estimates for every dollar of federal SNAP benefits, it generates one and a half dollars in economic activity. Well, you know what every economist would tell you? That a dollar in the private sector would turn four or five times that much. And it's like, but, but, oh, this is economic activity. This is how we, again, if the, as long as the public, the private or the public sector is doing okay, everybody's doing okay. This is just a snapshot into their mindset. This, this is what's wrong with, and, and you know, the, the, the evolution of Kathy Giesel since, since the early 2000s, when she ran as a conservative, sat in a, in an unrecognized minority in the Senate because. Uh, uh, she she wouldn't go along with the majority. The evolution of Kathy Giesel since uh, since that beginning to where she is now is just I mean you, you could write a book or a play or uh, a, a musical about it how 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 far it's gone wrong. This is the epitome of government causing a problem that government then thinks it needs to correct correct because it's caused the problem. Government's causing poverty. Government's causing food insecurity by you know, Matt says at a thousand dollars, the cuts will punish, will push thousands of Alaska families below the poverty line. Well, the average cut over the last seven years has been fifteen hundred dollars. That pushes even more thousands of Alaska families uh, over the poverty line. Government is creating a share of the problem that now Giesel argues government needs to step in and correct. And it's just I'm, we've just massively gone wrong in this system. It's uh, it is totally frustrating, and they do it with a straight face. I mean, that's the worst part is that they just do it with a straight face, like, oh yeah, no, this is totally reasonable. This totally makes sense. I mean, we create the problem, and then we fix the problem, which causes more problems, which we then need to fix. I mean, this is the self licking ice cream cone, right? I mean, there's the, definitely the perpetuation of that same idea where they create, and and the same thing with Stedman and everybody taking all the money out of the earnings reserve, and now they've created a crisis, and now they need to do this is because a pattern of we create the crisis so then we can offer the solution of what we really wanted to do to begin with yeah exactly right keep in mind now now keep this in mind keep the Giesel has created the problem she's used government to create the problem that she now says government needs to intervene to fix keep that in mind when we carry over to one other thing there's another thing that I want to mention here and that is an upcoming seminar sponsored by Alaska common ground the title of it is Bring the Future Back North, the pros, cons, and costs of returning to a defined benefit retirement system for Alaska's public employees. Senator Kathy Giesel and former Representative Chuck Kopp will outline a plan more than 10 years in the making 
that they believe will stop the bleed of Alaska's youth and skilled public sector workforce out of the state a return to a defined benefit retirement system for Alaska's public employees. Keep in mind, Diesel's the one on the SNAP side that's helped create the problem through PFD cuts. And now she thinks government needs to, government needs to intervene to protect it. She's not stopping at, at SNAP benefits. Now she wants to go back to defined benefits on the state side. So when we when we talk and 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 whose costs? I mean, interestingly, interestingly, the, they will this this says they will discuss the pros, cons, and costs, but it doesn't say they'll discuss who pays those costs. I mean, yeah, it has costs. Sure, it has costs. Yeah, but but I'll look at all these benefits. Who pays the costs? That's not part of the agenda. They don't want to talk about that. It comes more and more out of out of PFD cuts, right. deeper and deeper PFD cuts comes out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. And what does that do? What does that do, Michael? It pushes more Alaskans below the poverty line. The deeper the PFD cuts, it pushes more Alaskans below the poverty line, increases food security even more, which you know increases the need for SNAP benefits. It is one giant circle of her own, of Kathy Giesel's own creation of using government to intervene, to take money, and then, you know, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden we got all these problems over here to use that money and make the problem even worse as it, as it, as it goes on. Yeah. No, I mean, exactly. And you look at you look at the you notice that with every mention of this defined benefits program, there's no fiscal note with any of it. And in fact, there was a lot of talking early on about how this will save the state money or it will be equitable or we'll do this or but no fiscal notes with it because they realize and they've been keeping that on the real down low because they realize that uh, the price tag on this <clears throat> is going to be astronomical astronomical, especially when you look at the fact that you're going to have to backdate this for people who've been in the system since the tier four part was instituted. I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 it is insane to even consider this at this point. Well, yeah. And it, and, and it necessarily increases costs, right? I mean, the reason we're doing this is because we don't think the market, the investment in a, in a, in a fine contribution plan, they don't think the return that the retirees are going to have out of a defined contribution plan is enough to provide for the retirement. So they want to set a state guarantee. That's all the defined benefits plan is. It's right. a state guarantee of a certain return. If you knew, if you, if you had comfort that the returns the individuals were going to get was the same as what you were going to get as the state guaranteed, you wouldn't have a defined benefit plan. You would, you would stick with a defined contribution plan. But there can, but they know that the defined contribution plan isn't going to provide a high enough return to fund what they want to do with the defined benefit plan. So they're having the state step in and do a guarantee. So, you know, there's a cost to it. Um, you just don't know. You just don't know what the cost is and you don't know who's going to pay that cost. Well, like we know who's going to pay it in the long run. Yeah, we, we know they just won't talk about it. All right. We got more coming up. Number three is dead ahead. The Michael Duke show common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Wait a second. I just got a I just got an important text. Hold on a second here. What does this say? Uh back up, back up. Here we go. Uh Geisel's defined benefit bill has a one point two billion dollar fiscal note. One point two billion dollars more than what we're spending right now. Brad, extrapolate that out for us. What does one point two billion look like? <laughs> In the next five years, a year, in that I mean, holy cow! Oh, jeez! I mean, all all Alaskans may be in poverty by that point. We all may be advocates of the SNAP program by the time you you take that out of. We'll Alaskan's all be pockets, participating for sure out of Alaskans' pockets. Yeah, they'll have to make half the state government employees work for the SNAP division just to be able to fill out the applications. It'll be insane. Uh, you know, that's the thing. We it's a dependency cycle, Brad. I mean, right. This is what we have in this state. We've created the dependency state, all these programs, all these things. One in eight people are participating in the SNAP program. One third of Alaskans are on Medicaid. I mean, it's just it, it it's creating this dependency state. And that almost has nothing to do with how much money the state has. We're basically just creating all these programs to uh, I mean, I guess indirectly, I guess that's is because they're creating the programs and funding them. But that's the thing. We've created a dependency state where the, everybody should just be dependent on the state for everything. Well, and Michael, we're doing it. We're doing it intentionally. I mean, through PFD cuts, we are intentionally putting Alaskans into poverty. We are intentionally making Alaskans less food secure. We are intentionally making Alaskans more dependent on Medicaid to, to have medical services because they don't have enough uh, enough income on their own. The state's doing it through PFD because the state's doing it. And it's not just there that they're doing it a little bit. I mean, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy, jobs. They have the largest adverse impact of any of the of any of the measures on jobs. PFD cuts are have the most regressive impact, take the most of any of the alternatives from middle and lower income Alaska families, push thousands of, of lower income Alaska families um, into poverty. We know that. And yet, and yet, you know, it, it's just, I mean, the hypocrisy is just huge. To vote for that, to vote for a, for a program that intentionally pushes additional people into poverty, that it, it intentionally pushes additional people into food insecurity, to vote for that and then turn around and say, oh, we need more SNAP benefits. Uh, or we need a better defined benefit plan because, you know, these people aren't getting enough. I, they're not getting enough because you took it away. Let's let's be clear about that. Alaska had a program that increases increases income, increases wealth to middle and lower income, income Alaska families, increases jobs in Alaska. Alaska had a program that did that. The PFD program did that. And you took it away. It's your fault. I mean, don't don't come complaining to me about people in poverty. Don't come <laughs> complaining to me about about, you know, food insecurity. It's your fault, legislature. You're the ones that did it. Right. No, I mean, if you took if you took uh, uh, even uh, even state employees, if they were getting their full PFD and it was, uh, you know, the two point you know, husband, wife, two point one kids, you know, whatever. I mean, that's a that you know that's twelve thousand ten thousand dollars a year difference between the two they could do a lot with that in their retirement they could do a 
excuse me, they could do a lot with it. I'm we're, choked. We're I'm both cho- getting worked up. Here. I'm choked <laughs> up about this. I really, you know, but I mean, that's the thing. What are they doing with all that money? I mean, they, the people could use it. They could use it for their own retirement. They wouldn't have to talk about defined benefits if everybody was making an extra 10 grand a year per family to, to do something with. But the government wouldn't get credit. Kathy Giesel wouldn't get credit for bailing out, you know, food insecure, poverty families. She wouldn't get the credit for, you know, building whatever the heck the the new UA athletic center. She wouldn't she wouldn't get the credit. She wants the money to get the credit for being the one that saves the state. Well, you know, what are you doing to get that money? Well, you're just you're, you're hurting people. You're you're making the state worse off. In order to uh, in order to build your vision of what of what makes the state better, it's it, it self-aggrandizement. It, it is a government dependency cycle, huh? Self-aggrandizement. That's really what? what it comes back to, right? I mean, look at me. Look at what I did. I created the problem. Now I've solved the problem. Aren't I your hero? I I've created the problem. I've solved the problem. But in solving the problem, I've created a bigger problem. And now I have to go solve the bigger problem which will create an even bigger problem because you have to cut PFD more to, more to fund it because you're not willing to pay for it yourself, Kathy Giesel, you top 20% family, you're not willing to pay for it yourself. You have to, you have to, you know, take more, create more poverty, create more food insecurity. And then, Oh gosh, I got to go say that. It's just yeah. it, it, the, 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 the loop that we're in, I, you know, doom loop, I guess is the, is the phrase that comes immediately to mind. <laughs> the doom loop. <clears throat> We're in the doom loop right now. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. All of it's horrible and bad. Um, all right. Well, we got number three of the weekly top three about to jump in on us here. Please like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Uh, if you want to do that, hit subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube. And of course, no matter where you are, share the show. Facebook, YouTube, etc. Let's get it done. Uh, here we go. All right, we're back. The weekly top three continues. We're down to the final one, the number three of the weekly top three. And we're going to uh, we're going to jump into it right now. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The spike in oil prices. And this has always been that dichotomy here in Alaska, Brad. You know, when oil prices are low, the, the private economy, oh, man, we've got cheap energy. We've got cheap gas. We've got cheap heating oil. Things are good. That looks great. Then the state struggles. But on the other hand, when the oil prices spike, oof, man, to fill that heating oil tank or to fill my gas tank to drive back and forth to Anchorage, that gets expensive. Meanwhile, the state's rolling in dough. And to quote Natasha, we have so much money, we don't know what to do with it. That was her quote from the last year she was in the legislature when they had that oil spike. But that's the problem with the state government. Every time they see an oil spike, they're like, yes, more. And not realizing that the other side of that coin is coming again. Like they forget that the oil dip is going to happen again. So they just want to spend <clears throat> to what they have right now and forget about what happens in the future. Right. And and we're going through another oil spike. I mean, people who follow oil prices closely or not even closely know that we're going through another oil spike. We publish uh, uh, daily, uh, six days a week. Uh, we publish the, uh, the what the futures market is telling us about oil prices uh, this morning when I did it. Uh, we've got an average uh, 
oil market to oil futures price of ninety three dollars uh, for the year. Uh, if you take the if you play it on out with the way the futures are currently telling you, against a projected revenue of seventy three dollars uh, that was in uh, DORs, the spring revenue forecast, so we're twenty dollars above. Uh, the the price that was uh, the FY24 price that was projected in the in the uh, DOR spring revenue forecast. Uh, when you look at FY25, the the fiscal year that the legislature will be dealing with when they come back into session uh, next year, uh, the futures market tells us right now that the that the FY25 price is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty-seven dollars uh, against a prediction a projection in the DOR spring revenue forecast of $70. So we're $17 above uh, the DOR uh, uh, projection. And those are billions of dollars. The, the difference between 93 and 73 is about a billion, $400 million uh, for FY24. And the difference in uh, between $70 and $87 in FY25 is about a billion dollars um, in additional revenue. Uh, the landmine, uh, landfields, uh, a column uh, on Sunday said Alaska North Slope crude has been over $90 since September. The last time it was above $96 since last November. It was in the 70s and 80s since last January. If it stays in this range or goes up, stays in the $90 range or goes up, by the time session starts in January, there'll be a lot less fiscal plan talk and a lot, lot more let's spend it talk. And that will be exacerbated next year, he says, because it will be an election year. There's one thing that I think we need to keep in mind when we're talking about FY24. I'm going to get to FY25 in a second because I think that's a huge problem. But there's one thing we need to keep in mind about FY24 when we talk about oil prices in FY24. The legislature in the FY24 budget appropriated everything. Uh, they appropriated the, the $73 and they appropriated any additional revenue that would come in as a result of higher uh, oil prices. When you when you sometimes have heard, and we talked, I think, last week about it on the show, what's the, what's the so-called waterfall approach to, to the FY24 budget? And the FY24 budget is, is, is predicated on breaking even at $68, uh, but as oil prices... Uh, rise, there are various slots that uh, that the additional revenue goes into already appropriated in the FY24 budget. There's about a $300 million surplus that's created between $68 and $73. That's been set aside to uh, deal with supplementals or to deal with emergency spending that might come up uh, during the course of the year. If oil rises above $73 up to $83, Half of that additional revenue goes to a supplemental PFD. Half of that additional revenue goes to the CBR. And if oil rises above $83, regardless of how high it goes above $83, all of that rest, all the rest of that revenue is already appropriated, appropriated to the CBR. Now, the legislature could come in next year and undo all that. I mean, they can always amend their budget. Uh, in the, in, the, in the process of the supplemental, they could redo things, and so that's always a danger. But at least as things stand right now, the danger of increased oil prices in, in terms of spike spending isn't, isn't, it is mitigated by the way the FY24 budget is, uh, is structured. FY25 is an entirely different thing. FY25, the budget hasn't been set. There's not a waterfall uh, that's been set up for it. There's not a waterfall in statute that would that would require it. 
And so things are wide open with FY24. If the oil spike continues through uh, through the remainder of calendar year 24 and into calendar year 25, uh, remainder of calendar year 23 and into calendar year 24, and is still there when the legislature meets next spring, then they're going to be facing with a lot of a lot of pressures to uh, to handle it, to to deal with that excess money in um, in a calendar or in fiscal year uh, FY25. There's something the legislature did this year, though, uh, as it, that, that it just intrigues the heck out of me um, and is something that that, frankly, we should focus on and should pick up on and continue to uh, continue to do in future years. The governor should use it in the budget. The legislature should use it in their budgeting process and the governor should use it to evaluate what the legislature has done at the end of the budgeting process and in deciding on his vetoes. And that is they used the legislature last year when they when they set up the FY24 budget, they used a base oil price to set up the baseline. They use a base oil price that's very near the 10 year average price. Uh, the 10 year average price of oil would be sixty seven dollars. I think over the 10 years, the legislature used sixty eight dollars, if I recall correctly, uh, as their baseline uh, uh, budgeting price. So they used. Basically, they said to set up the budget baseline, we're going to use something that's very near the 10-year average oil price. That's That should be carried over into FY25. And if you carry it over into FY25, what you're going to be budgeting with is the, is the same $68 or $67 that you had this past year. It goes up. The 10-year average will work its way up in subsequent years. But from one year to the next, from FY24 to FY25, it's about the same. That's a good thing. That that's a very that's an excellent step that the legislature took in setting up the FY24 budget. And as I say, I think it's something that the governor should carry over. That way, we're not budgeting at eighty-seven dollars. We're not budgeting at ninety dollars. We're not budgeting at eighty-five dollars. We're not using projections to do the budget. We're doing the ten-year average oil price uh, to do the uh, to do the budget. But dollars that we have, you know, that we've seen, that we know that exist. Um, and uh, and setting up the uh, the budget to, to do it in that way. It, I, I wrote a column about this la- this week's or last week's uh, Friday column in the Alaska Landmine is focused on using that ten year average uh, in the budgeting cycle and has all of the all of the numbers that uh, flow out of that. But I think that's a that's an excellent thing. And it's, and it's, the, and it's the thing that the governor has control of. Uh, there's no statute that says. There's no rule that says. That you have to use an oil price projection right. to set your. The governor can step in and say, "Look, it's much more prudent to use the ten-year average like we did last year. We're going to use the precedent from last year. We're going to use that ten-year average and set it up for the legislature to do the same thing, the same thing they did last year, and use the ten-year average." Well, as the, the, as and this is price. the argument that we've had in the Charter of Changes that we need to change the funding. We need to change the way that we factor the budget. And I've argued that, especially with something that's as volatile as oil. You can only look at that average of past projections. I said five years because that matched the PFD, but a 10-year one is even better because it gives you a larger snapshot, and you should. I mean, we shouldn't do this pie-in-the-sky, Sean Parnell, $115 a barrel oil when oil's sitting at 87 or whatever. I mean, that's the same kind of thing. This just seems like common sense, but nobody has standardized it. It just seems like it comes up every now and then, and it doesn't go. you got about 90 seconds. 
Well, nobody standardized it, but they did it last year. So all the governor has to say and all the legislature has to say is we did it last year. It worked well. It pre prevented us from doing fly-up spending at a time of increasing oil prices. We're going to do it again this year and start setting the precedent going forward to uh, to keep that process in place. The governor can do it. There's nothing that prevents him to do it. So one of the first evaluations of the governor is going to be, did you budget prudently by using the 10-year average? Right. And what do you think? I mean, and what are the chances of uh, of it becoming standardized <laughs> and pushing it? I mean, you know, give me a Kreskin moment here uh, as we go out well, the door here. It, it would be great. It would be great fiscal policy to do it. So so we ought to do it now. Whether we will do it is another question entirely, but it would be great fiscal policy to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you uh, so much for coming on board and joining us. We look forward to uh, having you back home and uh, talking with you again next week. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye out for anything hot and nasty for you to talk about next week. I feel riddled. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. feel like I'm riddled with bullets right now. That's what I feel like. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Hold the line, Brad. All right, folks. Out of time for this hour. Hour two is dead ahead. We're going to talk about whatever we want in the next segment. Uh, back with more. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Yeah, I mean, what are the chances? Not good. Uh, I mean, they, they might do it. To me, this just, again, it just seems like a no-brainer. If you have this volatile income based on oil prices that are, you know, subject to the market's whims, why wouldn't you look at it from a perspective of, you know, a, what's the 10, what have we gotten for the last, you know, however many years? That just seems to make sense. Um, but maybe it's too much sense at this point. And maybe it puts too many uh, guardrails on them to allow them to spend what they want to spend. It has the advantage also in the future to allow us to, to, to stabilize spending during periods when oil prices dive. I mean, the, 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 the key is that you build up reserves when, when you're using the 10-year average and oil prices spike. You use those years to build up reserves, and then you have those reserves in in years in which oil prices dive and you're spending. You want to keep spending fairly consistent with what you've done in the past uh, so you don't have to raise taxes or you don't have to cut PFDs or you don't have to do uh, a variety or drastically cut programs, which is what triggered uh, the, the pushback in 2019. You, you want to have that sort of consistency in spending. Any business wants to have that sort of consistency. Um, in spending and using the 10 year average allows you to do that. You don't spend it all at once. You know, you're not, you're not like a kid in a candy store and say, Oh, I got You know, I got 25 cents in my pocket. Let me go spend all that. Um, at least when I was growing up, it was 25 cents. Maybe you're showing your age, now, showing your age. I am showing my age. Um, but, but it has, I mean, using that average has the, has the advantage of building reserves during periods when oil prices are high and having reserves to support spending uh, when oil prices are low and allows you to level out. I mean, it's 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 excellent fiscal policy from a, from the standpoint of fiscal policy. The drawback is that you know, Click Bishop can't spend on all the capital projects he wants right. to spend on. Right. When oil prices spike, Kathy Giesel can't start all these new programs she wants to start uh, when when oil prices uh, when oil prices spike. It it deprives the the legislature who 
who is lucky enough to be in place when oil prices spike, it deprives them of the ability to spread all the goodies all around. That's the only downside to it. I mean, that's the only downside to using the average. It deprives the legislature that happens to be in place at the time of spreading goodies. But from a from a from a intergenerational standpoint, it's great fiscal policy. I mean, Alaska's oil wealth belongs to all Alaska generations, not, not just the generation that happens to be in the state yeah. at the time that oil well, prices spike. So it spreads that wealth. By averaging, it spreads that well through through again. Generations. It's sound fiscal policy. Uh, you know, you you put away for times in times of plenty. You put away for times of lean, and instead, in this place, it's like we eat everything, including the you know we beat down the we eat the plates and everything else uh, at the feast, and then we're like we're starving later on. We ate everything when it was when it was a feast, and when it's famine, we look to the people to take more money. Donna mentions that uh, HB. 194. I'm going to have to reload the thing here. Uh, Donna says, I can't show the comment. HB 194 requires a 10 year average oil price for budget reserve. So, HB 1, so, the, so Representative Carpenter is trying to address that to say, here it is. Here's the 10 year uh, average oil price. That makes sense. It does make sense. And, and, and here's the key here's the key to it. The key is the legislature did it last year. Now, whether they realized, whether all of them realized that was what they were doing, that they were actually using the 10-year average price for the budget, that's probably an open question. But but they did it last year. They did it. We have precedent. We have a situation in which they did it. So it's not like the governor is breaking new ground. It's not like the, legis the subsequent legislature would be breaking new ground. It's simply saying, hey, we came up with a great idea last year. Let's let's continue to roll with it. Um, and if and if Representative Carpenter's bill passes, uh, you know, all the better. Of course, it's a statute, and statutes can be ignored. But all the better <laughs> to have to, to to have that down to have that down as policy. There's nothing that prevents. There's no statute now that says thou shalt use projected oil prices as the basis for your budget. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're dealing in a, in a situation in which. Uh, the governor can start fresh. I, I will say this. It's going to be one of the criteria that we use to measure whether the governor is remaining fiscally it, whether the governor is returning to being, whether the governor is trying to return. How do I phrase this? Yeah. Whether the governor is tr trying to return <laughs> to being fiscally responsible. It will, if he uses the 10-year average, that's a plus in his corner. If he continues as, he's, as, as he and prior governors have done in prior budgeting, uh, to use uh, to use whatever the spot price is at the moment, then that's a problem. But yeah. but it's it's the opportunity is there by reason of what the legislature did last session. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Uh, yeah, this is a you know this is a problem. But again, we'll be watching to see how the governor reacts and how uh, what the overall look is when it's all said and done. But to me, this just makes sense, and I, I don't know why we're not doing it already. All right, Brad. Well, safe travels. Thank you for coming on board. We look forward to seeing you again next week. And uh, anything new happens in between now and then, make sure to reach out to us and let us know. I will, Michael. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me, and I look forward to catching up with you next week. You bet. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, being part of it today. Uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Uh, all right. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Sean Spot Price Plus Parnell. Yeah, that was the guy. I mean, who factors a budget at $115 a barrel 
when you know that the current price is dropping like a, I mean, I think it was at that point, I think it was <clears throat> something like $82 and he'd factored the budget at $115 per barrel. Who does that? Apparently a guy with 15, 16, $18 billion in the bank who's like, oh, we'll just take it right out of there. No big deal. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Um, we, we just, that we, that's madness. All right, uh, I'm about to launch Hour 2. When you hear the theme music, I'm going to reset the stream. So you'll get a blue screen for a minute and lose the audio. But we're going to do that. Here we go, The Michael Duke Show. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the program. It is the Tuesday edition of the Michael Duke Show. And usually this is where we would be looking forward to Chris Story coming in and putting the salve on our wounds after dealing with Brad Keithley. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen today. Chris is traveling, and so he'll be joining us tomorrow. And in the meanwhile, we're just going to have to lick our own wounds, which that sounds gross, but it is what it is. We're going to have to deal with it today. Um, Hour two of the big radio show. We've got some headlines, some things to discuss. I've got some thoughts on what we just went over with Brad and, uh, and I think uh, I, I think I think we got some good stuff to talk about. But I want to let you know that I'm going to open up the phone lines right now. So just in case there's something that uh, we don't hit on or whatever, that here's you know you can you can jump in and do it. So phone lines are now open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150 on this crisp beautiful fall day. I mean, crisp, baby. It's crisp. It is currently 30. Oh, it actually got lower. It dropped two degrees. It's 35 degrees now. It was 37. Now it's 35 degrees. It's actually getting colder. <laughs> and somebody <clears throat> somebody else in the Matsu just said it was 27 where they're at. Oh, man. I guess that means winter is officially almost here slash mag you know question mark slash hashtag it gets cold winter's coming i don't know it's oh man absolutely brutal i was hoping beyond hope hoping beyond hope that with the crappy summer that we had that maybe just maybe we'd have kind of a mild fall going into it but apparently we're supposed to get 
a ton of rain <laughs> the next day or so down here in South Central. I don't know what's happening up in uh, I don't know what's happening up in uh, in the interior down in the peninsula, but oh man, I am so I'm so done with it. Anyway, uh, so we got the phone lines open. I got some other things to talk about. I want to kind of rewind just a little bit, talk about a few things that Brad <clears throat> has thrown out there, a couple ideas that I have uh, on this. So I want to talk about that, but let's um, let's continue on. I've already got a phone call this morning. Maybe it will be a full hour of callers. I don't know. But this is one of my favorite parts of the day. So let's, uh, <clears throat> favorite parts of the show, rather, I guess I should say. Let's head on over to the phones and get things started and see what you guys have to say. All right? We'll, we'll, we'll take it from you. How about that? Let's go over there right now. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey. Good morning, Michael. This is Nathan. I'm calling from up in the Fairbanks area. How are you? Good morning, Nathan. What's on your mind, my friend? How are you? So, I first of all, I wanted to encourage you. It's uh, um, we can't control the weather, regardless of what the environmental extremists think and say. Um, but we can rejoice in the day that the Lord hath made. <laughs> and again, I say rejoice. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I do need to remind her of that sometimes. The other one that comes to mind, of course, is. This too shall pass. I mean, I know I'm facing eight months of this, but I'm just like, this too shall pass. Right. Yeah, we, uh, yeah we're, we're getting pretty similar weather up here. I, I have to remind myself every once in a while that I do still live in Fairbanks. I did not move to Juneau. But, uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get some, some sunny days. And the sun's always shining above the clouds. So... I, I guess that's one way I to look at it. I wanted to call in. Right, I wanted to call in on the uh, Manchu mine uh, discussion. So I live north of town, out in the Chattanooga area, and uh, so going up Cleary Summit to Fort Knox with all of these trucks, I I don't disagree. They are going to be paying a a good amount of money in regard to fuel tax. The issue is not whether or not the private entity is going to be paying their tax on that fuel. The issue is going to be what is the state of Alaska going to do with it? Um, when, when that semi-traffic increases, the they're, they're going to wreak havoc to the road. Not to mention, can you imagine getting behind one of those trucks going up the hill? It's it's going to be horrendous. And it's, it's not like it is now where you might get behind a fuel truck every once in a while. They're going to have one of those trucks staggered every 15 minutes. That means everybody is going to be behind one of those trucks. And so you're going to have rocks coming off. Uh, I mean, it, it, our windshields are bad enough as it is. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing good that is going to come of this. Um, they want to process that ore. They want to process it uh, um, and, and take more gold out of the state of Alaska because they've made it so that um, uh, Americans can't mine 
they need to build a processing plant down there and do it like everybody else. Not not tear up our roads and our vehicles uh, in order to make it more profitable for themselves. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I see that there could be some conflicts going on. I could see, you know, there will be, you know, more trucks on the road, whether it's, you know, two or three an hour or four an hour, whatever, whatever the math is, um, when it's all said and done. And, yeah, if you're living out in those areas near the mine, you'll definitely probably, especially on those two-lane roads that are more windy, you'll probably be affected. I've got, you know, I understand that. Um, but, again, if they're doing it within the law, and they're paying their share, and if they're willing to do, I, I mean, I, again, I know this sounds a lot like Nathan when it comes down to it. It's, it, it sounds a lot like the whole argument of not in my backyard. It's fine, it's great, it's legal, but just don't do it to me because I don't want to have to deal with it. And uh, you know, again, I don't have a dog in the fight anymore. I don't live up there, but even if I did, I would kind of be like, well, I guess that's progress. You know, I, 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 I. And, and, and quite honestly, the only way that some of this stuff pencils out, I mean, if you're talking about building an extraction plant and everything else and a processing plant, you're talking about millions and millions of dollars that if it just pencils out better to to haul the stuff out there, because you'll have to eventually tear the processing and the extractor back down when the whole thing's all done, it makes more sense in the long run. It may not make people happy, but in the long run, that makes fiscal sense and uh, and I you know maybe environmental sense however you want to look at it. So I, I understand people's frustration, but at the same time I'm like that's you know that's how it, I remember you know the read back at the times when people's like oh the motorized vehicle now all my horse and buggies will not be you know we're going to be you're going to scare the horses and all the problems. But it's progress. It is what it is. Uh, maybe it will force some new maintenance or higher construction on those roads going north. Maybe you'll get a better road in the long run over the course of five or 10 years to those places up north. I don't know, but it, it just seems like, uh, I, I just, it, I, it feels a lot like a NIMBY situation in, in the end. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Um, I had some friends helping me, uh, build my house a number of years ago. And one of the common, when we would ask questions about something was, well, it looks good from my window. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it, if it's down in your backyard, you don't have the same vested interest that, that we do, and I get that. And, and again, my, my issue is not whether or not the company is doing the right thing, because they have no choice. They're, they're buying their fuel. Um, my question is going to be more along the lines of what is the state of Alaska going to do with that money? I mean, they've already showed how irresponsible they are with the PSD. They're not investing in the future of Alaskans. Uh, they've not taken road tax money and, and, and done anything to make that road better with all of the, uh, uh, the road traffic that goes out to the coal mine uh, to and from twice a day on 12-hour shifts. Uh, if you hit that road at the wrong time, uh, it's kind of a bummer, especially in the winter when you need to have better lights because right. it's not a lighted road. Um, so I, I, I see the road degrading significantly. I don't share in your optimism of the state of Alaska coming in and building a better road. 
because of all of this road tax revenue that they're generating. I don't see that. Unfortunately. Well, now, me- maybe our interior delegation will uh, do uh, a, a stand-up job and, and try to get some, some revenue for that purpose. But I guess the future will tell. Well, they'll have an argument because it is road tax money. And although it can't be designated uh, or dedicated, uh, I mean, I would say we've got this road tax money coming in and it's for a road that's being heavily used. We should use it. So I would hope that that now you're right. It is the legislature. You don't know. But again, the economic benefit. Did you just uh, use logic? I, I know. I just use logic. Don't don't scare the people out there. Don't scare the straight people. Okay, that's a weird deal. They, we don't want to freak them out. But I mean, the bottom line is is that the economic impact of more jobs, you know, drivers, more thing, you know, the 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 economy. And I think uh, Ben Carpenter says is a few rock chips worth and leave worth leaving a better economy for our children. I think in the long run, yes. Will it be an inconvenience? Possibly, uh, potentially, maybe, probably. For those of you who live up near the mine, you'll see it a lot more than anybody else. But in the long run, is it better for the economy? And I think that should be the bottom line. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm always for jobs coming in, and if if that those jobs mean that uh, um, that we possibly have some additional training, some additional truck drivers, um, uh, the the rotation that they're going to be doing is probably going to be bringing a lot of non-residents in to take those jobs. Good morning. Well, I mean, we just had it. We just talked about a story yesterday, Nathan, where we're talking about 48.9% of all the people who were born in Alaska are leaving. You want to give them an opportunity. Here's a great opportunity to have a great career, to learn something good, the trucking industry. And, and, you know, maybe they do bring people in from outside to begin with, but in the long run, maybe we put Alaskans in those. I mean, the ideal would be to put Alaskans in those jobs, local people. And I think that's what we need to, and they, you know, they, they will care. Uh, because they're local and they would care more about that, I would think. Uh, I mean, I do. Uh, so you would hope that more people would care about that. Nathan, I got to go, though. I appreciate it. Thank you for your call. Um, I got time to squeeze one more call in before the break. This Mancho thing is very interesting to me. And and if, if more people want to call in from Fairbanks and tell us about it, uh, I mean, I think it would be interesting to everybody in the state who's listening right now because this kind of thing could happen in their own backyard. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Mike, it's Mike from Salter. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind, my friend? Uh, the only problem I have, and it's not with the truck falling, it's with the state itself. Uh, Johnson Road is a terrible road. Military uses it a lot, and uh, it gets beat up. They wanted to put in a drone play, uh, base out here. And we opposed it because of the traffic. And they were saying that Johnson Road, they did a study, and they could handle 1,500 heavy vehicles a day. You drive 1,500 military vehicles up this road a day, in a week you're not going to have a road. But my problem is they're putting in this overpass. They're going to make turnouts so for passing from Tokes to Fairbanks. But every time they go to patch the road here, the local roads, the secondary roads, uh, you call them, hey, there's a hole, and this is no lie. They, this is what the engineer told me. That hole is a mile deep in Johnson Road. They keep filling it in with pea gravel. It washes away. Finally, 
when the military was doing some maneuvers out here, they come out, they put big rock in, and then they patch it over the top, and it's falling apart. My problem is they're going to put in overpasses, they're going to put in pullouts to help the trucks, but they're not doing anything to the secondary roads, and it's all I ever hear is it's not in our budget. It's not in our budget. We've got over 30 families that live on this one road that's only six miles long, and they can't fix a six-mile road, but they can go and spend all this millions of dollars on this new overpass uh, going into Fairbanks for the trucks. You know, help out the people of Alaska, not the company that's going to be giving you more money for oil tax or gas tax. You know, right. I mean, we pay taxes out here. Well, maybe, uh, Mike, I we're, mean, we're, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I have, hold on, I'll put you on hold, Mike, hold the line, because I got to go here. But I mean, I, maybe the way of looking at this is, is there will be more money because of more gas tax, and maybe you're more likely to get, uh, you're more likely to get that, uh, those roads fixed, that because there's more money to spend on those areas. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, it sounds a lot like I'm not getting my share. Why should they get what they want when I don't get my... I, I understand what you're saying. I, I I understand it. But again, progress is a thing. We're going to talk to you, Mike, here during the break. And we got more. Phone lines are open, 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. All right, let's go back to Mike. I want him to get, oh, Mike, he hung up. I was going to give him the final word on this, but, you know, <clears throat> here's what I hear uh, in all these discussions. And I'm not trying to be, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to, I just, you know. But when people are like uh, what Mike just said, well, we're not getting ours, so nobody should get theirs. We're not getting, you know, we're not getting the maintenance on our road. So why should anybody else get anything until we get ours? And again, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that's what I'm hearing. And from Nathan, um, you know, hey, we were all for economic development unless we are impacted by what it takes to make the economic development happen. And then we're not happy about it. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's it, it can be frustrating. It can be irritating. But that's just kind of the way it, it is progress. And I think, again, um, I think Ben Carpenter makes a very valid point uh, when he says, is a few rock chips worth leaving a better economy for our children? The answer is yes. I mean, if Ben's still in the chat room, Ben, if this project was happening in your neighborhood, would you be okay with those trucks traveling down your roads, your your arteries and, and secondaries and primary roads? I've got to ask. I'm just asking. Tony uh, in the chat room says, you really need to get one of the Salter residents that have organized a petition against Mancho Hauling. They have a lot of information on some of the things you've mentioned, like cost effectiveness of a refinery in Tetlin. Okay. Well, um, if you know of any of the names of those people, please send me an email and I'll reach out to them. Or if you know them, have them reach out to me. You know, that's a thing. Dick says, should we limit the Parks Highway to only cars? Since it primarily 
goes towards tourism. I mean, the buses and the and the and the motorhomes and everything else. I, I mean, again, it just seems like people. This very much feels like a NIMBY situation, in my mind, not in my backyard. If I still lived in North Pole, having to try try travel some of the roads that these trucks and stuff would be on, I would probably be irritated having to get stuck behind them or, you know, maybe getting rocks thrown at my... Although, I will tell you, people in Fairbanks know nothing about rocks against windshields. With all due respect to folks in Fairbanks, I will say, say you never... I bought a car in Anchorage, and by the time I got home that night... I had three rock chips in my window. That you 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 guys know nothing about rock chips in fair. I never had so many rock chips in my life since I moved down here. And that's not because a genie says if you get rock chips you're following too close. Um on the Glen, there is I mean you're not following too close. If I put three car links between me and the guy ahead of me, somebody stuffs themselves in there and you get rock. It's just it is what it is. You can't you know, it's so I understand it's frustrating. Don't get me wrong. I understand it can be frustrating, but it's also progress. I mean, that's it's also progress. Um, I support anything, Bill says, uh, I support anything that promotes privacy industry in Alaska, whether it's in my backyard or not. That seems to make sense to me. I mean, how many people are going to be, you know, hired if they've got to have four trucks an hour going back and forth and it's a 240-mile round trip? I mean, was it four times 12 is 48 drivers for a 12-hour shift? So you got to have an extra 100 drivers? I mean, maybe 100 and, I don't know, 120 maybe? Plus the people to load it, plus all the other things, maybe additional staff at Fort Knox to process it. I mean, it seems like that's going to be a significant impact to the community. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, uh, Jim says North Pole to Fairbanks isn't their issue. It's North Pole to Toke. Okay. I got it. Going through Salchuk, going through those areas. That's, a, I mean, I understand. Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines and we'll continue this discussion here in just a moment. We'll see what, uh, what you guys and other people have to say. Um, my daughter-in-law has a new window put in their car two minutes after picking up her car. Boom. I mean, I mean, literally I bought this car, pristine windshield, drove it home, three rock chips on the way home. (laughs) You can't get away from it. (laughs) All right, here we go. The Michael Duke show common sense radio. Well, we seem to have stirred up some uh, seem to have stirred up some feelings on this thing, talking about the whole Mancho Mind thing. And it is, I know some people are frustrated. Some people are, you know, some people are there. Uh, they're agitated by it. And they don't want to see it because it may affect 
their life, their lifestyle, their community, as far as, you know, roads going through it or traffic through it. I understand that. Um, but I've just, my brain is just, it, it, I have a hard time wrapping my, I have a hard time get, feeling empathy for that point of view, I guess is what I'm saying at this point. Again, Ben Carpenter has said, are a few rock chips worth a, an economy, a better economy to leave for your children? And so I asked Ben during the break, I said, you know, would, you know, that, that I agree with that. Would you support an enterprise like this whole Mancho Mine thing if it was in your community, going through your community? His response was, had a soil remediation enterprise set up shop in a gravel pit less than a mile from my home. A few neighbors were opposed and their concerns have been much ado about nothing. Yes, I'm for progress. That's what that's it. Now Tony makes a point, and 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 Tony again, don't take this the wrong way, but this sounds like a very utopian type ideal. Tony says progress would be that they built the highway infrastructure first before they knowingly allow traffic that will more than double or triple the ter- current traffic volume. In a perfect world, that'd be right. Do you know how much? How, how long does it take to even maintain a highway? Right? How long does it take to even get a stretch of highway maintenance at this point, let alone if you wanted them to rebuild the entire infrastructure between Toke and Fort Knox? How many years? I mean, that's a 30-year project, 40-year project. And you want all that to be done before they? It's, it's not realistic. It is just not realistic. And, I mean, I, I just... <clears throat> I know. Again, Dukes, you don't have any. I mean, I still own property in North Pole, so I guess I could argue that I have that. I don't live there anymore. You know, my folks have got property in Salcha. I mean, so, but I mean, again, all the trucks that are already on the road, all the military trucks, all the RVs, all the tankers, all the. I mean, do we just say no to all of it? Well, no, we're not saying that. We're just saying we don't want it to get more. Well, but that's. Again, that's progress. That's what that's that's what happens. I I I don't know. I, I just this whole thing has you know, and I don't, oh, there's there's plenty of stuff you don't know. I'm sure that there's tons of stuff that I don't know. But I'm sure that there's I'm sure that there's a, a mountain of stuff that I do not know. But the question is, are you you know, in my mind. Are you for progress or are you? do you want to hinder it, especially if they're going to do it legally and lawfully? I know it may be legal, but is it right? They're paying their tax. I mean, 240-mile round trip in a tractor-trailer rig, what do those things get? Six miles to the gallon, seven miles to the gallon? They're, they're going to be, I mean, they, they are going to be burning some diesel. They're going to be they're going to be putting some money in the bank, in the sales, ta- in the gas tax bank. For sure. If you've got, you know, four trucks an hour, I don't know, is it 24 hours a day, four trucks an hour? I mean, just do the math on that. Oof, man, their fuel bill. Oof, I would not even want to. All right, um, let's uh, let's continue ahead here. Uh, I've got another phone call. I mean, what do you think? If you're in Fairbanks or you're listening down in Delta or you're, you know, wherever, if you guys are on that route, what are your thoughts? And feel free to totally disagree with me. Nathan did. Mike did. I mean, feel free to disagree. But again, to me, it sounds very much like a line for progress, but just not where I can see it. Just not where it may affect me. Just not where I may have to drive. 
again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that's in the long run what it sounds like. Let's go back to the phones. 907-433-3150. We'll see what kind of yelling you guys want to do here this morning. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's on your mind? Um, I've never had a problem with the Mancho trucking plan, but I must admit uh, when I believe it was Nathan who first called about this, and he, I think he said he lives in Chattanooga, uh, that's the first time I kind of felt some sympathy uh, regarding the Mancho trucking plan and the opposition toward it uh, because he lives up a winding road all the way past Fort Knox and uh, it's hard to pass on that little two-lane road and all that, you know. Even if, I, even then, I, if I lived way out there, I wouldn't really mind it, but uh, I can understand his point of view. But to me, what he said kind of highlights why everyone else should not have a problem because... We live, me, down here in the flatlands here in Fairbanks, uh, we've got four-lane highways, so we can just go, go by the truck if we want. We're not trapped on some little winding road that's w- making its way uphill where the trucks, the big trucks are going slower and you've got to follow behind them slowly up there. You know, I don't know how much power their engines have, but uh, maybe they can clip up there pretty good. But uh, uh, here in Fairbanks, you know, we've got alternate routes, we got two-lane highways. Now, I travel on Pega Road quite a bit and up on the Johansson, which is the route that the trucks will take, but that's all four-lane stuff. And, uh, and from here, from North Pole to here is all four-lane stuff. You know, I guess Salcha, you know, that gets down to two-lane. But um, um, the way to test to see if you will really object is, is to ask yourself, the last time you were nearby a set of doubles, you know, a lead trailer, tail trailer, which we have plenty of those. Did the hackles on your neck go up? Were you gripping the steering wheel and cursing under your breath? I would suspect most people don't even notice it. I don't, I mean, right. I notice them because, you know, I see them, but, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't bother me, a, a set of doubles or a big burrow bus, you know, that I'm behind for a little few seconds until I get around them or whatever, or just follow them at normal speed, whatever. I personally don't see any problem with it, but for that guy that called Nathan up in Chattanooga, I can a little tiny, teensy bit sympathize with him. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we can sympathize with him, but again, does it, does the sympathy extend to, you know, uh, coming around to his point of view to say, oh, no, we don't need any progress in that because we want to. No, I, again, it, it makes no sense to me. Like you said, you don't even notice it. I mean, there are plenty of times on the Glen or on uh, on uh, the old parks or some of the other places that I drive that I get behind dump trucks and doubles and, and everything else. And, and Lisa in the chat room on YouTube says uh, she says uh, people up here complain about the trucks, but they travel up the Elliott to the Dalton with wide loads and, you know, double. We have no problems. We deal with it with no problems. Like you said, I don't think people will even notice it after a while. In the beginning, you might, and it might be irritating, but then it becomes a fact of life. That's what progress is. Um, is it frustrating for some? Sure, absolutely. Will it, you know, have more maintenance required on the road? Sure, absolutely. But it will also contribute a lot more to that same maintenance fund. To those, the dollars will still be there to do it. Um, and so, yeah. I, again, while I understand the point of view, I don't necessarily believe that it's the right one in that regards. I agree with you. All right. Well, thank you, Randy. Appreciate your call. 
Uh, appreciate you calling it. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you'd like to sound off, I mean, <clears throat> again, I'm not trying to belittle anybody or be rude. I'm just saying this is my point of view. And when I hear a lot of these things, I think it, it boils down to I just don't want to see it. It's progress is fine. Just don't make me inconvenienced by it in some way, shape, or form. But that's what progress is until it becomes the new normal. And then you won't even notice it, right? And unless, of course, you're sitting back on the porch and go, back in my day, I remember when we could drive this whole road and not see a single truck. You know, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, if we've got another extra hundred people involved in the economy and extra hundred jobs, especially jobs that, you know, younger Alaskans can train for uh, and, you know, get their CDLs and do all the, I mean, that to me would make sense. But again, I know I don't live there anymore. I don't, it's, uh, this is my opinion. Let's go back over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael, this is Monty up in Fairbanks. Hey, Monty, what's on your mind, brother? Can you hear me? I can hear you, Monty. What's up? Oh, hey, okay. Uh, so as a commercial driver for 28 years, um, here's my viewpoint on it. What, what people don't realize is they're going to break those doubles down in North Pole at the Black Gold Shop. They're going to run single trailers from through Fairbanks to the mine. So they're not going to be pulling those big doubles up the hills and everything and going through town from the way it's all been reading and, and, and everything from what I understand. So, and then the other thing, with all the axles, people are talking about it's going to be breaking down the roads and everything. With all the axles that they have on those setups, is to be a legal weighted load per axle so the ground the ground pressure will be the equivalent of any other side dumps right. construction vehicles they have a certain weight that you can't go over and they will be weighed and certified at certified scales before their load you know before they leave coke so these will be legal loads per axle weight yes it's a lot of tonnage but the, the biggest thing is it, they're not going to be overweight, overweighted loads because of the fact of all the axles. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing you keep hearing, right? Oh, it's 16 axles. That's going to be horrible. And what you don't realize is that the more axles, the less, less impact on the road because you're spreading the load out over more wheels, right, when it's all said and done. So people are like, oh, it's 16. Well, it would be worse if there was eight. It would be better if there was 24. You just don't understand that it's, you know, it, it requires that kind of uh, thought to make sure that it has the lesser impact on the road. Correct. And like I said, they're going to be breaking them down at their North Pole shop and taking them through town up to Fort Knox as a single trailer. Yeah, I mean, that seems to answer a lot of the questions that, you know, I think a lot of people have in that kind of regard. And it makes more sense. I mean, that that seems to to be a good thing. So, I mean, as a quickly here as a as a driver, professional driver, you don't see the problem that I think many of the people are seeing in this. And because you're in that industry, it's not like you're going to go get a job there. Right. But I mean, at the same time, you see the you, you see this for what it is. 
Yes, and, and, and it's going to impact the borough in the sense of tax money for, for the, the fuel tax, obviously, um, or through the state, however that pans out. But, yeah, it's a good-paying job. They're, I mean, they're, they're talking $130,000 a year job. Right, for now what? You for tell what? Me where you can go in Fairbanks. And, and, and go to work. Right. And, and this is for, by the way, I mean, you know, what is this going to be, you think, this money? You think this is going to be an extra 100 people? I mean, because if it's four trucks an hour running 24 hours a day, four trucks an hour, I mean, that's got to be 100 drivers, right? Well, from what it sounded like, and I, I believe what I saw was 250 total jobs. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, again, it makes sense. And again, a significant impact. It's why we call it progress. That's what it's all about. Monty, thank Muted. Uh, Monty, thank you for uh, your unmuted. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, we're coming up on the break, folks. We got to go. We're going to continue. We'll be back with more in just a minute. We got a couple more phone calls. We will continue the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. we got two lines on hold. We're going to get to them here in just a second. I'm going back up here to see what you guys are talking about. Um, Leela said, ooh, this is a book. I'm going to put this up there, but you're just going to block half the screen. Um, It would be nice if people educated themselves on how the roads are funded. The Richardson and Steese have enough traffic, the road engineers call it ADT, average daily traffic, that the feds will fund construction. Johnson Road would be considered a county road in the lower 48, thus not funded by the feds. For some reason, what should be a borough road with commissioners became a state road and is a low priority for repair. Meanwhile, the road engineers say the highways can handle the load, I'm assuming is what says on there. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Leela. The last thing you want is for the borough to have road powers and for road commissioners to be part. Of, you do not want the borough to have road powers. I can guarantee as a as I served as chair on the uh, area service area road service area commission, the assembly road service area commission, the RSAC. Um, you do not want the borough to be taking care of roads. You much would rather have, as much as problems as you have with the state and everything else. I guarantee you, the last thing you want is the borough to be associated and taking care of roads. So that's a big no from me. Uh, I would much, even though the state can be irritating and, like you said, it may be a low priority. No, 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 and no. You don't want the borough to have road powers. Not gonna, not gonna do it. Um, let's see. Um, a different conversation. Point Mac. Somebody's talking about Point Mac. Um. Follow the money, says Amy. It's all about the money. Uh, Kinross is a Canadian company. Um, I mean, it's about economic development as anything else. I, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm going through here. Um, 30 degrees this morning, says Politidic. You're warmer than many places in the state. Um, 16 axles. Uh 
Back in my, says <laughs> Chris, all I hear is the old man voice. Back in my day, I remember no train tracks running through my front yard. Yeah, I know. Back in the day, I remember how that was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, look, I know it's an emotional issue for some people, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but at some point, you're like, this is progress. You won't even notice it. I mean, that first year that I was down here driving on the Glen with the traffic, I mean, you were almost white knuckling it every day going through there. I mean, I don't know how many accidents I avoided in that first year driving back and forth because people just lose their mind when they get on the parks or the uh, Glen highway between Anchorage and Wasilla. And now it's like, I don't even notice it anymore. You just get, you get used to it. You get, you get used to it. Um, and is it frustrating sometimes? Absolutely. That when I, if I leave Anchorage, the difference between the time if I if I leave 15 minutes later uh, than I normally do, my trip home goes from an hour and five minutes to an hour and 30 minutes. It, it just it happens. That's just it. You know, you got to plan accordingly. You got to plan to. If you go even later, it could take upwards of two hours sometimes if there's a problem on the highway or something. Uh, I mean, I've seen highway backed up for 10, 15 miles on the highway. It it just it it is what it is. It's progress. And yes, it can be frustrating, but it is what it is. Like I said, pretty soon you won't. I think if it gets started and it goes you won't even be you won't even you won't even notice it you won't even notice it so we'll we'll see um terry says i still white knuckle it on the highway i mean yeah there are days that are better than but most of the time i don't even notice i just don't even notice although i love it when i get passed by a tractor trailer i'm going 67 miles an hour in a 65 because, you know, lock your cruise control. And I get passed by a tractor trailer pulling doubles doing 70, 75. And then I pass it again on the hill. And then it passes me again. I mean, you know, just because I'm just set at 67. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, just, you know, pick a speed. Pick a speed. <laughs> it's frustrating, but it is what it is. It is what it is. All right, let's go get the names of everybody that's on hold. I got three lines on hold now. Let's start off over here, and we'll just get the names and where they're calling from. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Bob. I'm calling from Fairbanks. Okay, Bob, hold the line. I'm going to be right back to you. You're number one in the queue. Let me go over here. Uh, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? It's Layla. Hello, Fairbanks. Hello, Layla. Hold the line. I'll be right back to you. You're number two in the queue. Uh, we'll go back over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Rick from Fairbanks. Hello, Rick. Uh, you're three in the tree. So you just hold on, Rick. I will put you back on hold, and you'll be number three. So Bob, Layla, and Rick are all on the line, ready to go. We're going to jump back into this, and we will continue. Um, and, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure people will disagree with me, but we'll see, we'll see where it goes from here. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, please like, and share, uh, no matter where you are. If you share the show, you can share it from Facebook. You can share it from YouTube. You can share it from Twitch, get more people involved, share this with people who are against the man show or for it. I mean, let's, maybe they can come in and educate us on what's going on. Here we go. Jumping back in the Michael Duke show.
All right. Well, people have got thoughts. People have got thoughts and feelings. And so we're going to jump over there and see what you guys have to say. We've been talking about the Mancho Mine Project and the proposal to truck all that stuff from Toke all the way up to Fort Knox. And uh, I appear to be on the uh, on the on the on the losing side of this battle where I'm just like, it's progress. It is what it is. Uh, Other people have some some feelings on it. So let's get uh, let's get some other points of view here. Bob is in Fairbanks. He wants to uh, sound off. Good morning, Bob. What's on your mind? I just to make a couple of comments on the traffic. Um, I'm from Fairbanks. We've been here for 50 years. Surprise. The traffic has increased. In 50 years, uh, we often have to cross Pegger Road. That's the main, one of the main north and south roads in Fairbanks. It's amazing the number of doubles come through there. They come down from Pruda Bay. They come up from Valdez and from Anchorage. And uh, once in a while, a really big load is loaded with a pipe and stuff goes up to Pruda Bay. It's just what happens. But I have a fact. I hate to confuse people with the fact, but I heard this from a highly placed individual in DOT. He said on Tegra Road, it will increase the traffic by 1%. Wow. One for 1%. I think everybody should know. (laughs) On Tegra Road, the traffic on Tegra Road, the additional traffic from the mine will increase it by 1%. And he he may have been exaggerating. Right, a, a whopping one percent. I mean, look, yeah, of course the traffic is going to increase as as populations grow, as economies grow, that kind of thing. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of you know, especially on the south side of town, Pegger sees a lot of traffic because people are headed down to the industrial area there on the south side of town, uh, off Van Horn and all that. I mean, exactly. That's 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 the way it is. Again, this is progress, and it's you know, yes, it might be irritating, but I think. You'll get. Do you even notice anymore? I mean, do people even notice if they're stuck behind a double or a double passes them on the other way or they're crossing a road? I mean, I, I think it will become something that they just don't even – it'll be a year maybe, and then they'll just like not even notice it anymore. One other thing with the feel, the doubles with the feel, they have to stop at railroad tracks. Or trucks don't have to stop at railroad tracks. Which one is more dangerous? Right, exactly. Well, I think it's they're putting on right. Some, okay, putting some of these overpasses and stuff. <laughs> That's in. all I have to say. I'll let you go. All right, Bob. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, Layla is up in Fairbanks, and Layla made a comment here about some roads being federal and some roads being state and the borough. And let's see what she has to say. Good morning, Layla. What's on your mind? Okay, so first of all, I agree with you. This is progress, and people should quit belly aching. It will result in a higher quality of life in our community. Right. Uh, but my point about the borough versus the state roads and, and federal funding is Johnson Road used to be, many years ago, just a private road. Somehow it became a state-maintained road. And there's a lot of politics involved in why it became that way. Um, and I'm not privy to all of it because it was way back in the 70s. But it should be a, quote, borough road. Now, you did work in the borough, so you understand how the road commissions work. The right. borough does not have road powers. They give it to uh, private individuals who live in that area. Right. Well, okay, yeah, they, so yeah, like, yeah, they don't. Some roads, yeah, they don't give it, so, but they. So, yeah, exactly. Well, it, it already belongs to them, basically. 
Um, and because you live on that road, it's your job to maintain that road, basically. Some road commissions don't do a really good job, but some of them, like the one my brother lives on, their roads are as good as anything DOT puts out, and they get plowed like immediately when it snows because the road commission that he lives in has taken that as a priority, and they organize their funding so that that happens. I live in the city. I get plowed in March. I mean, the one time, literally, if it were the big trucks that live in my neighborhood, I'd never be able to get in and out of my, my neighborhood. Right, right. No. Right, and that's, so when, when people complain and they go, well, Johnson Road doesn't get treated as well as the Richardson Highway, that's because you've only got 30 families living along it. It doesn't get an incredible amount of traffic compared to the highways, which qualify for federal funds. Right, And then so DOT is able to rebuild those roads because they qualify for federal funds. Um, and so, you know, if Johnson Road wants a better treatment, then they need to take themselves out of the state system, organize a road commission, and make that a priority for their neighborhood. Well, I mean, they could. It's yeah. responsibility for your road right i mean what they'd have to do is they'd have to and i am not familiar enough with johnson road to know if it's in a road service area or not but they would have to create their own road service area i don't think it is yeah it's it's a state maintained road okay so i work for dot that's how i know it's a state maintained road well then they probably couldn't at this point do that because now state has taken possession of it so it's a state maintained road so they can't do it but i mean well you you can't you can't you can petition, and trust me, there's a lot of roads that are, quote, state-maintained, that if uh, the people along them wanted to take them out of the DOT system, the DOT system probably wouldn't argue about it. Well. Because it costs them money to, to have to do this, and they don't qualify for federal funds. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, and you're right. I mean, if they if somebody wants to create a road service area— that's their right because up until that point what they could do is they just pass the hat and everybody fixes their roads and their subdivisions or whatever they can do it and it's on an honor system of passing your hat the road service commission by creating a service area you force a mill rate on everybody regardless if they want to participate or not which yeah again that's a yeah i am aware of that and and there are some unorganized road commissions out there yeah i i know some guys who uh they're they're plow truck drivers they you know, plow driveways and stuff, but they also take care of these unorganized road commission right. areas and the neighborhood pays them to come and take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me, that's the way to do it. If, if, in my opinion, if you wanted to, yeah. I would not be having served on the RSAC, having seen all the things, having seen the borough's fingers and all that. If I lived in an area that was not incorporated into a road service area, I would not advocate for that. I'd give them a hundred bucks of, uh, you know, 200 bucks a year or 300 bucks yeah. a year, whatever it is, just to maintain those roads rather than get the borough involved. That's just me personally, but there you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Living, living where I live in town, I don't have a choice. Yep. But I would, if I could, do something similar because they'd actually take care of the road then rather than the city, which doesn't do anything most of the most of the year. Right, right. All right, Layla. Well, I appreciate it. I got one more call. Thank you so much. Rick is up in Fairbanks. Rick, what's uh, on your mind, my friend? Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, 
so my name's Rick. I, I live down Sheena Hot Springs Road, and my understanding is is that uh, they won't be negotiating the bridge there off of the Richardson. They're going to be driving and possibly driving straight across that uh, traffic circle that nobody in my neighborhood really wanted. So I was just wondering about what other people's thoughts were on that. On the traffic circle, which one? The one on Sheena Hot Springs? Yeah, Chino Hot Springs. My my understanding is is that they they're not going to go across the bridge and they're going to exit there because of the weight restrictions. Uh, there, there's a, a lane that's on the left hand side that they're going to be able to have a flagger there to drive straight across that that particular piece, uh, and it takes it across the traffic circle. Uh, that I don't I don't think they're even finished uh, the 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 beautification of that project yet. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware of that. That'll be interesting, having to have them exit, go around the circle, and then re-enter on the ramp. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, I don't know. People hate traffic circles, Rick. Um, I know that part of that is just because of the unfamiliarity with it. They keep telling us that they're safer than stoplights, but, um, you know, I, I was not aware of that. We'll see if we can get more info on that in the future. Rick, thank you so much for bringing that up. Wow, that was a quick hour. All right, folks. I mean, love it or hate it, like I said, I'm telling people on the in the chat room to share the show with people who may be anti or pro. Maybe we can get a whole show on this. It would be interesting to see other points of view. I appreciate you coming on board. We are out of time for today. Tomorrow is another one. It'll be Chris Story and Mike Shower. Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Interesting. The bridge is being fixed, so that won't happen, says Barbara. I wasn't even aware that that was part of the proposed plan to begin with. Again, I don't know a whole lot about this. I'd be the first to admit that. Um, state statute precludes creating new road service, new service areas. Well, that's changed since I was there. Because other, you could create a new service area. You just had to petition the borough to do it. So, anyway... Well, my friends, we will catch you guys tomorrow. We hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for coming in. We will see you then. Enjoy yourself. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 